0: Hope you're doing well and enjoying a gorgeous day as she said and we are having fun i still just need to say this go broncos <laughs> it just just needs to come out of me today at some point still disappointed but i've been leaning hard on god and uh a little therapy i'm getting through it all right next year all right we say that it's kind of like when when preachers say, in conclusion, we say it to give you hope. That's about it. That's really next year. So that, that's hope. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're enjoying life and learning and growing and your walk with God. I'm looking forward to this weekend, these three weeks, I have set aside to really talk to you about Timberline and its mission. We are a church with vision. We are a church that we believe has been empowered to impact northern Colorado and to impact the world. You are doing that in a variety of ways. We've tackled some thoughts these first couple of weekends about what that's gonna take and what it means. We've printed the core purposes and core values on the back of your tables in the mall insert. Please take that out, put it up somewhere, get familiar with that because that language is really what we're all about. It's what drives us and motivates us. And this is the last in this three part series, and uh, we'll dive in next week to a U Count weekend, which you're gonna hear about. The projects uh, that are anti-human trafficking around the world and the way this church has stepped up and other churches have joined, it's amazing. Don't miss next weekend. It's going to be powerful. And then we kick back into our, our our February series on the book of Mark. But today I've called this message, Am I Healthy? And I'm not so much wanting you to answer that question that I'm asking of me, am I healthy? But I want you to ask that question of yourself. Just right now in your mind, ask yourself, am I healthy? Now, there's two categories that you can come to. One is physical, because uh, if you work out regularly, you know that January, the club is more full than it usually is. Right? But don't worry, they'll go away. Okay? Just give them a couple months, and you'll be back to having it to yourself. But the, the good thing is, is that people try. And if you're one of those, I commend you because the the physical is a good effort. I'm not really talking about physical stuff today. I'm talking more about spiritual health. Am I spiritually healthy? See, when I get my annual physical and they do the blood work, they can tell me my cholesterol numbers. They can, I actually had an EKG. They can tell me what my heart's doing. They can tell me overall stress tests, what kind of shape I'm in. They can read all that stuff, and they can tell me a lot what's going on physically in my body. But I wonder if I just ask you, Dennis, and a couple of you over here to come up here and point, don't, don't do it, but I, if I did, to, to point out who in these rooms are, are the healthiest, most spiritually fit people in the room. You think they could do it? No, they couldn't. Why? Because there's nothing physically, tangibly that that shows that. There's not a readout on your forehead that said nine and a half. Nine point nine as it comes to knowing God. You know, two point four. Help that person. <laughs> Maybe we need that. But we are complex. And some of you are really spiritually healthy in this area. And way 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 unhealthy in this area well does that make it a wash probably not how can we monitor our spiritual health that's a huge thing and it's difficult so I'm gonna just warn you ahead of time all three of these weekends have been tangibles that are tricky and it's subjectional sometimes but that's where I'm going and I want you to work hard in your brain to think with me and and put some energy into not drifting off but staying with me are you spiritually fit and where is God taking you in your health journey with him the first thing I want you to write down is healthy fear healthy fear I think I have five or six components that we can use to gauge our spiritual health Paul writes a letter to this church called Philippi he plants the church they love him he has they have supported him financially it's probably the people who have encouraged him most in his life Paul's about to die and he's coming to the end of his life and he writes this letter to the Philippians and in chapter 2 if you have a Bible just open it there and follow along because we're gonna go verse by verse as we always do here at Timberline and we're gonna look at Philippians 2 12 and following healthy fear dear friends verse 12 you always followed my instructions when i was with you and now that i am away it is even more important hard, work hard to show the results of your salvation that's an interesting statement we are not a church that believes that you can earn salvation by works okay but show me someone who has relationship with god and is following the Lord you will know them by their fruit and the works of their life so they do go together and Paul knows that that's why he's saying that work hard to show the results of your salvation notice this obeying God which is the 10 obeying God with deep reverence and what fear interesting word there Proverbs 1 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and discipline recently I was with a couple who had been married a lot of years and I respect that and they had a great marriage it wasn't that they just hung on it's just that they really worked at their marriage and I asked them what's the key what's the secret for you guys being married this long and so happy and more in love now than you've ever been and they kinda looked at each other and it it came out a little differently from each of them but they said the fear of God and I I kinda chuckled, thinking it was kind of a joke like the fear of God you know and they said no really the fear of God we both fear God and when you fear God you wanna do what honors God in your decisions now I need to say this because it's important that we don't get confused with what deep respect that kind of fear is with paranoia that God's ticked at me and he wants to beat me up today God loves you does everybody understand that he loves you but God is God he's massive he's the creator of the universe he is more than your friend on Facebook I'm saying that because we've made our relationship with God so casual that it's almost like we just write on his wall, God, great sunset, good job, thanks, nice talking to you. And he writes back, oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, we'll talk to you tomorrow. No, it's that because he's relational, but God is big, and I'm afraid of God. I fear God. I want to get it right I fear him so much because one day I will stand before him I'm not afraid of him because he loves me but I have such deep respect for him I started thinking about what's a healthy kind of fear that I can have if I'm spiritually healthy I think it would be things like this awareness that nothing is secret or hidden from God he knows everything about you and that can be embarrassing but he does he knows it all and if you know that about God it causes deep respect and you pay attention to when he's he knocks on your heart about those areas that he's talking to you about out of love it's a desire to have integrity when no one is watching for me it's an it's a desire to develop the traits in my life that come out of the characteristics of God godliness that I will push for those things in my life because I have a healthy fear of God and I want to stand before him and have him say well done you worked on that you knew that about yourself you paid attention to that detail knowing that there are consequences to every decision number two if we have a good healthy fear or respect might be a better word then let's talk about healthy desire because desire is really the it could be the most tricky one we talk about today because desire is such a tangible, it's so immeasurable. It's, it's like, how do I know where my desires come from? But Paul says this in verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire. So, so that's telling us God can give us desires, giving you the desire and the power, those two together, to do what pleases him this this is a wonderful verse you might want to put up and look at because desires are birthed in crazy places in our lives stuff that pops in your head can be fully of God but it can be fully of the enemy and that human nature is at work in us where do your desires come from and are they healthy that's the big question this this passage when Paul says God is working in you it's a little Greek word inergone and it it's it's our word energize and it's from a verb meaning to work or to be active to produce effect and is that which we have derived our word energetic the meaning is that god produces a certain effect in us and he exerts such an influence over us as to lead to a certain result in our minds our will to do and will as as i think of that i realize that this is really big because as I surrender my life to God as I submit myself to him he can actually place desires that I would not humanly in my human nature have because his spirit is putting those desires in me and the power of the spirit works in me to bring that to a result that's that's powerful if we can pay attention to that it will change uh, our our desires because we can lay those cravings to God. What do you crave? I mean, it's just it's such an interesting question. Do you ever have? I remember when Bonnie was pregnant with our second child, we she had this kick on on a certain kind of Mexican food, and it was like it'd be eight o'clock at night, and she would say, "Oh, dearie I've got to have those enchiladas." But Bonnie doesn't crave stuff like that usually. It was so fun to watch that. And, and I would say, honey, we just had that for lunch. She so would say, I know. But any, any women been pregnant and you relate to this? See, I don't know what causes those cravings. If it's physical or what, sometimes you can just be sitting there, you're not even hungry, but you just need to eat something that just came to your mind. It's just a craving. I don't know what that's about. Where do those things come from? How can I gauge whether or not my desires are from God? Here's a couple things that I wrote down. This is kind of what was kind of for me, but I'm sharing it. Is it sinful? Anytime I desire something that's sinful, I need to to capture that thought and recognize I can't take this to the next level. Even if I know I'll never act it out, I can't entertain that thought in my mind. I need to get it out of my mind, get up, go do something else, get away from whatever it was that distracted me a second one is is it beneficial to me and to others and that's a good test if i follow through with this desire is it going to benefit others and is it going to be good for me in in the longevity picture is it secret would i want to keep it secret if i fulfill this desire is it something i'm willing to share those are good little tests for you to say is this desire being birthed by god you know why because we can trick ourselves we can trick ourselves the battle in your mind is is happening right now it's a constant battle. And that's why learning that self-control and those desires when they come to pay attention to them. We had a really unique thing happen when we lived on the West Slope. I was a youth pastor in Grand Junction, Colorado. And in the middle of the night, it was like 2 30 AM, someone broke into our house. And uh, I told this about eight years ago, and I'll never forget it. Um, it was it was early in the morning and this big noise came in our house and I jumped up out of bed and it was obvious something was loud and Bonnie woke up and I said did you hear that and she said yes somebody's in our house and I said I know I said I- I'll pray you go check it out <laughs> no, I, I did not say that <laughs> I, I, so so I like I grabbed this bad thing I had under my bed at the time and and I get up out of bed I'm trying to be real quiet and and I, I opened our door, and I looked down the hall, and I noticed that the bathroom door is, is like halfway shut, and it's usually always open. And, and I thought, I wonder if someone went in there. I went in there, and the shower curtain was closed, and we always kept it open. And that was like really weird. So this is like, it's like a movie, you know. And I'm just thinking, oh, God, please protect me, you know. And, and I pull this curtain back, and there's no one there. And it wasn't someone who broke into our house. You know what it was? All the kids' bathtub toys were stored in a net that had a suction cup on the tile. You know what I'm talking about? And and that that suction cup gave way at 2.30 a.m. Now, I want you to think about this. There was a battle going on with gravity, and that suction cup hour after hour after hour after hour who knows the last time we put that thing on there it was real and it was happening and it finally gravity finally won and it fell and it made a big noise that's what happens when we walk with god our mind faces hour after hour after hour of this pull this nature pull this this downward pull these desires that are not of god and this battle gets so old you better thank your tires Right now, holding up your car, they are under pressure. That's what tire pressure is. They are bearing the weight. Pray for those tires, God. No, don't. I'm not kidding. Some of you are like, "Pray for my tires." No, don't. Don't do that. But it's the same idea that there's constant pressure. And here's the deal: it's unseen. You walk out to your car. You're not even going to think about that, so you have a flat unseen that's what goes on in your mind these desires are unseen you've got to win very very important that's one of the reasons we have celebrate recovery on Thursday nights it's a refresher and every time I walk in there I see people who are engaged in saying I'm, I'm getting control of my mind I'm ha- I'm winning I'm having some wins and if you need that get there number three this gets really crazy kind of fun here healthy attitude Attitude's a, a great topic to talk about, and it's a win for all of us because we all need attitude adjustments just in different places. We do, all of us. So let's just own that. But Paul says, Paul says something that's really big right here. Okay, you ready? It's verse 14. This is, this is crazy how blunt this is. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Now just poke your neighbor right now and say, listen to this. You need this so that no one can criticize you do everything without complaining and arguing this is talking about attitude it's really fun for a pastor like me to be able to say to a church like timberline do everything without complaining or arguing because all of us have that human nature stuff that jumps up and sometimes wants to complain about stuff. I want you to hear me. I'm not talking about healthy critique that makes us better. I get that. But, but here's why complainers don't know they're whiners. Because being a whiner is, is built in selfishness. And people who are selfish don't know they're selfish because they've made it all about them. And sometimes it's, it's for years they make it all about them and and they believe really that they're right. And so why wouldn't everyone agree with them? And so they whine about stuff that they don't like or they want change or it needs to look like this or I don't like that color or this is what it needs to be. This is the song we need to sing. And 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 they become whiners and they don't even realize it. And and here's what really is sad. In a lot of churches sometimes it's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. So you know, leadership is constantly running to calm someone down who's not getting their way and happy. And we ha- we have a dog named—it's uh, no, not our dog, um, but it's a grand dog. And Eric and Brent have this beautiful dog, big guy, named Beau B E A U. And when he comes over to our house, he comes in the door and he runs right over to the pantry where the treats are, and where his toy is. And he has a toy that's about this long, and it has a squeaker in the end of it. And he gets a hold of that squeaker, and he starts running all around the house squeaking. And it's really fun for like a few minutes. (laughs) Right? This is sometimes what complainers and whiners are like. This, They got this... For me, I hope it wasn't out of child care. Look at this. This looks like the devil. (laughs) I mean, this is ugly. I would never let my kid play with this. That's haunting. Our next point, we're going to talk about something I hope that you'll appreciate. It's 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 another concept. How many of you, I'm driving you crazy right now? See, that's what happens that's what happens to squeakers and whiners is they don't know that they're driving everybody else crazy and you know what's really interesting and I'm pretty serious about this though it's 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 fun to talk about the reason sometimes squeakers and whiners complain about stuff is because they don't have the big vision of God they don't realize that God's will is that all men and women would come to him they live in a space this big And it's all about them and what they want. And I want to tell you, church, at Timberline Church, we're not going to be about that. God's mission for this church is to make a global difference in the world. That's a big agenda. And it's bigger than whining about some little thing that you don't like. Your pet peeves don't matter to God. What matters to God is that you have your heart, your mind, and your spirit devoted to him and that you do the things this book asks you to do. That's where we're going. That's what God wants of us. Amen. And by the way, I would call this preventive maintenance. There's no one I'm gunning for this, all right? I promise. We have an awesome church and you guys have great attitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Don't make it about you. It's about the kingdom of God and it's much bigger than all of us. Okay. You ready for me to move on? healthy lifestyle number four it's interesting how Paul brings this lifestyle into it after he talks about the desires and then he, he talks about this idea of attitude complaining whining and then he he talks about lifestyle and it's the lifestyle he's gonna use to impact others so here we go verse 15 the second part of verse 15 live clean and that means more than bathing The word is talking about a purity. I'll explain it in a second. Innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. Living in darkness, the bright light of God is shining because we are there. That's the hope of God for us. When this says, you know, living clean, It's it's basically saying that you may give no occasion for others to accuse you of having done wrong. Innocent, sincere. This little Greek word, it means, it's only used a couple times in the New Testament, and it means to be unmixed and uncluttered. It would be like if I had a, a pure bottle of water and a pure can of oil. This is pure oil, and its purity is real. There's nothing that's mixed with it. This is pure water. I, I ruin them both when I mix them together, is what Paul's saying. Your life is to be unmixed, innocent before God, not tainted or cluttered with all the stuff around us. Our purposes are higher. Our motives are greater. Our mission is bigger. And that's, that's the reality of what he's trying to say. And then he says, shining like bright lights. Now this this is a metaphor that most scholars believe Paul is talking about lighthouses in Paul's day and if you look at this part of the world he traveled by boat often there are lots of waterways through that part of the world and small little oceans and so what would happen is they had they had lighthouses back in Paul's day a lot of them obviously they had to use torches real fire so when a storm would come the lighthouse man would go light a torch out on the reef, depending on where the tide was, so that the people who were navigating would see that light and recognize, if I go to where that light is, I could die. That light is saving me from death. So Paul pulls out this metaphor and says, you are shining bright lights in a world that's perverse. Our job is to stand guard so that people will not die. We care about the life and the health of others. So suddenly our lighthouse isn't drawing them, quote, to us. It's pushing them away from things that are evil, things that will destroy them. So shine like bright lights so that good and justice may be found in the world. If we live that way, we can model that and live that and keep that alive. I I hope that's why you will let your life mix with other people. If you're not in a small group, I hope you get in one, even if you start one with friends just on your own to do this study as we walk through because my life has been enhanced because of my small groups because I can talk about these things, and I can live it out in the flesh. Number five, healthy results. Healthy results. Is it okay to measure the results of your life? and how would you go about doing that how much money you have in the bank I hope that's not it how many hours you volunteered last month I hope it's more than that how do you measure the results of your life look at verse 16 hold firmly to the word of life then on the day of Christ's return I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless you know what Paul's saying He's saying his influence in the church in Philippi is his reward. It's legacy. You are leaving a legacy. It's going to be great or it's going to be horrible, but we all are going to leave something behind. That's why as we invest in the kingdom, our time, our energy, our resources, all of that, that's why we have the potential to leave a legacy for the next generation. That's why death doesn't have to scare me. It's because when I die, the stuff I put into eternity still goes on. And boy, that's worth a lot. I love our, our peaks. I mentioned it was printed on the back of your, your tables in the mall uh, insert these weekends. But Love Re- Releases Peak says this, that Timberline will em- we exist to empower people to serve that's our job for you if we empower you to serve in the places God puts on your heart whether it's here inside these walls or out in the community then then we're we're doing a good job you are the people who will make a difference in this city empowering you to serve our love reaches peak says expressing the message of Jesus in word and deed you know I love that we will say it and we will do it and we are I uh, I just want to celebrate something in 2012 You guys were so amazing. We did so many things. We had so many uh, opportunities to serve, but we started this thing called 6.8, and it's, it's based on scripture of people who will serve, who feel the call of God in their life. We now have over 1,600 people who have signed up to receive the email, and all it is is going out to do projects of needs in our community. And so we have so many people on any given Saturday, any given Monday, almost every day of the week, some of you are going out to fix a fence, to fix something in someone's yard, to help an elderly person with this. We've been fixing roofs in some of our mobile home parks. We've been very active. And I just thank God so many of you are invested in that. You're giving yourself to that. That's fallen over into a high park fire this summer. Oh, I hope we don't have another one of those. But that work is still happening. I mean, there are people who haven't even hardly touched the cleanup yet. And, you know, all the big cameras are gone, but guess what? The local church is still there. And thank you for that. That's what we do. We're the plotting arm of service and ministry. I think of Operation Christmas Child this this past December. You guys, you love kids. And you filled up these boxes, and you did stuff. I think of Serve Out Loud with our teenagers, just the work that they did to work on people's grounds, to care for people, to make a difference. Thank you, teenagers. Sharing Hope Day, many of you were involved in that. We had tons of volunteers, and uh, it made a difference in our our, our community. Thank you for showing up. Family Festival, that's become a big thing of what we do, and, and I thank you for getting involved. The Big Red Truck we we said bring some clothing that's winter clothing for homeless gear for people who live on the streets and you filled up the truck when they got the truck they said it's full are you kidding me we never dreamed they could fill it up thank you that's result that's the fruit of your love that's powerful if we can keep doing that we can change northern colorado for the good all the missions trip I could go on and on number six and finally Will I live for the things worth dying for? I want this to be more than a cliche. Are you living for the things worth dying for? It's a huge thing. I want to try to answer that question for myself, and I'm taking a few weeks to do it. But I hope we can say yes to that question Paul's about to die verse 17 but I will rejoice even if I lose my life pouring it out like a liquid offering to God just like your faithful service is an offering to God and I want all of you to share that joy you know what he's saying there is this offering it's called a drink offering and you would pour it on the altar as a sign of fully surrendering to God Paul is using that offering to say, my life, not just the drink offering, my life is the drink offering and I pour myself on the altar offering to God. In 67, 68 AD, somewhere in that range, Emperor Nero had Paul beheaded. That's what history tells us. Paul died for things worth dying for. He lived his life in a way that it was okay for him to say goodbye to the stuff on this earth. Jesus, the ultimate, he lived for the stuff worth dying for. You know who that might be? You. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. It's very humbling. It's humbling to call you Lord. But you loved us first and you have a plan for our lives and we're grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you for Paul who, who died doing the things he loved and believed in. 2,000 years later, we're talking about what he said and what he did. Thank you. Give us legacy people in this room like that that will live for things worth dying for. With heads bowed, we call this our living room because we talk about real life here. Are you healthy? If you will open your spirit up to God, the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to you right now. Do you believe that? I do. Be that sensitive and let God talk to your heart. For some of you, I just am going to ask you to either shake your head or raise your hand if you want to. It's not important for someone else to know or see this, but 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 I. It's humbling when you raise your hand. And sometimes that's good for us. But if you can tell me honestly, I'm not healthy. I know. I mean, you love God, you care about kingdom, but you're not healthy. There's stuff going on in some of these categories and areas we've talked about today that you just go I need some help here and I'm going to lay that on the table, God. I'm going to recognize it. Recognizing it is the beginning. Acknowledge that to God right now and just say yes or raise your hand or do whatever you want. I just want to pray over you. Lord, we all have places in our life that aren't at full health but these have responded because there are specific areas you are working in them and through them even now. We trust the work of the Spirit. And so I ask you to do the the Spirit-inspired work that humans can't do in these men and women, in these young people who have responded. And let us get on a path to health, not a quick fix, but a path to health, to train our lives, our minds, that our desires, our lifestyles will become healthy strong in 2013 secondly some of you just need an attitude adjustment and talking about that you saw yourself in some of that and it's easy to get caught up in it especially right now in this culture we're in and so many things are not going Christian's way and um, it's easy to just get a terrible attitude and whine and complain but let how many of you just need to stop that you need an attitude check and say I exist for more than that Tell God right now, Lord, help us to be bigger than our culture. Help us to shine like lights in a dark and perverse world. That's what you've asked of us, and we say yes. Lastly, if you're here and you just know you're not connected to God, Timberline's filled with people on a journey asking about whether they should even trust God or not. And and I, I love that you're here. Thank you for being here. Let the Spirit of God talk to your heart. I can't convince you, I wouldn't try, but if the Spirit knocks on your heart, you'll feel it. You will feel true sorrow for sin in your life. No one can just put that on you. You'll feel that, you'll have regret. And yet you'll have the hope that maybe it's true. Could it be that Jesus really does want to know me? That he really wants a personal relationship? That's why he died on a cross and rose from the dead. Well. That's it. Invite him in. Ask for forgiveness and try it. And feel your way. Read your way. Let us help you navigate these next months in your life. Lord, we give all this to you in your mighty name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much our prayer team is coming right now some of you just might need a moment to connect and seal some things with God and we'll get you on your way but don't be afraid to tap into people who want to pray with you and for you and for your family lots of tables in the mall we have a missionary couple the Liggins I've known for years from Africa and some of you have interest in global work and ministry please go back and meet them they are precious people lots of other tables sign ups, be informed and remember as you leave The service starts now. Love you. God bless you. Have a great rest of your weekend.